Greetings, Sci-Fi Universe. Owen Cotter here. Join me, your host, as we discuss all things geek chic and out of this world on Sci-Fiction Radio, your galactic transmission portal to all things science fiction and beyond. Welcome to Sci-Fiction Radio. On today's show, we have writer, director, and producer Philip Bach. Sit tight while Philip joins us here shortly. Philip, you there? I am here. How's it going? Doing pretty good. How's it going with you today, man? Good, good, good. I've been, uh, surprisingly, funny enough, I've been voice directing the first half of the day and more to come. Nice. Awesome. That's great to hear, man. Well, uh, let's get the show started here. Now, for the listeners, can you introduce yourself and describe what you do in your line of work and everything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, what I get to do is uh, pretty crazy. I uh, voice direct in video games. I've voice directed on uh, things like Dishonored, Skyrim, Fallout New Vegas, and a bunch of other like movie title stuff, Captain America, yeah. or that kind of stuff. But basically, what I get to do is, the joke of it is, I tell people to die faster or die louder, but uh, since games have become more cinematic, I voice direct the actors to, you know, provide the story content for the games. Oh, really cool. And you said you worked on Caps America. I noticed in one of the trailers that we're getting ready to talk about your film that you said that, uh, yeah, I saw a logo for Star Trek. What, what did you do in that? Yeah, I voice directed on that. That was actually a lot of fun because... You know, the game didn't get the mo- the best reviews, but even if the game doesn't get the best reviews, uh, the voice direction is still pretty good. I got to voice direct Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, uh, all those guys, and it, it was a really crazy, amazing process because um, I got to work with all them, and I'm a Star Trek fan, so it was just it was a lot of fun to have them all in the booth. Um, so I got to voice direct all the action, story, all that stuff. It was really great. Well, that's really cool, dude. So they were actually there, and like they were doing their uh, their lines and everything for the game and everything? Yeah, they did it all in character. And uh, I think the most amazing thing um, was Zachary Quinto came in, and he he came to work and uh, kick ass. Uh, he, he did amazing. He just, everything he did. We had a bunch of lines. It's a different world. Like in video games, we direct at sometimes a hundred lines an hour because sometimes the, some of the budgets can be tighter or maybe some of the lines are short, but you know, animation voice directs at like 30 lines an hour. So for a Mm -hmm. film actor like Zachary Quinto to come in, who might be used to doing, all right, let's do this scene where I have three lines and we're going to, we're going to work on that scene for the next few hours. Uh, He came in and he, he rocked it. It's definitely a different world to have to come in and just, Go, go, go. That's really cool. That's, That's a, amazing, dude. Yeah. I I don't like to work too fast like that. I saw that you had uh, David Sobolov on your show. Oh, yeah, David. Yeah, he's really cool, dude. He's a uh, voiceover actor as well. Yeah, he uh, I ran into him at a conference, and I was like, hey, i got to interview David Sobolov. This guy's cool. And <laughs> he, gave, he gave me a lot of uh, interesting information about his background. Are you friends with him, or? Yeah, I've worked with him. I, uh, in fact, the reason why I bring him up with this conversation is he, uh, me and him have like the land speed record. I forget how many it was, but I want to say it was somewhere like six, 
or seven, like, 800 lines in four hours. He came in and, you know, he had done RoboCop, the cartoon, and so when he came right. in, he just, he killed it. He he had to do this kind of, like, you know, robotic voice for us, and he's just this, he's, like, one of the nicest guys you'll meet, but he's huge. Like, he's this huge guy who looks like he could crush you. He's, uh, <laughs> he does really great. Yeah, he's really cool, man. I noticed you was telling me about some of these uh cartoon series like Robocop like you mentioned and stuff like that. He's done so much work and that you so you guys are kind of in like a little rivalry there or something like that. Yeah. He um a little competition. <laughs> well all those guys like I gotta say though that like the voiceover community as a whole is a pretty nice group of people. Mm-hmm. Like even if we're all working on different stuff, anytime we right. all see each other it's still uh still a good community um so many crazy people that you meet like you grow up with uh i i just got to work with uh you know maurice lamarche uh on a kind of a side weird project i did this ghostbuster you know fan spec script reading that i did to try you know just try and show people i can write and he came out to it and it's just a very weird experience to like remember being eight years old and playing with his Egon Spangler toy and then one day growing <laughs> up and being like, oh, my gosh, you're the, you're the guy I've known my whole life. It's a weird experience. Wow. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Oh, what I was going to say is, uh, <laughs> just because I think it's hilarious, is um, uh, I, I don't know why his name is, uh, is escaping me right now. I think it's uh, Tim Cummings or... But anyways, he does the voice for, like, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, and Darkwing Duck. And um, Jim Cummings, Jim Cummings, not Tim Cummings. Jim Cummings came in, and he, uh, he since he did Darkwing Duck, <laughs> one of the people who we work with a lot came in, and he said, you did Darkwing Duck? You're you're more nostalgic than my parents, <laughs> like, for me. <laughs> it's, uh, it's too good. Yeah, the the guys that we get to work with are... Uh, crazy good. If I ever get to make it in the film TV world, I plan on hiring a lot of these guys because the difference is, you know, kind of going off of what I was talking about before is these guys will intake information in half a second and then spit out gold in half a second with not only the line being read correctly, making sure the tech is clean with the microphone, great read for the delivery, and then on top of that, delivering on direction that you also give them. It's insane. I mean, all these guys. Jeez. Um, uh, yeah. That's pretty insane. Crazy man. So just, yeah, it sounds like it. Like you said gold. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I, oh. I I have this joke where I say gold diamond. It's almost like sometimes <laughs> they do better than gold. So I, I go, gold diamond. Nice. That's awesome, man. <laughs> Well, let's talk about you. You have a cool new project called a uh, Vid Agent. Let's talk about that, and can you tell us about like the plot, oh, the characters, and what's that all about? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I've written a bunch of different scripts. I've tried to get out there. The issue is that a lot of them, you know, they cost money to make. And um, mm-hmm. I tried to find the right project that I could do for close to nothing that I can still make look really good. And I kept trying to rattle my brain around it, and finally. Um, I started thinking about while I work in games, you know, what else is out there? And for some reason, it just came to me, the idea of we hear about it all the time. Uh, Video games are said to cause violence, making people do things they wouldn't normally do unless under the influence of video games. Um, So I thought it would be funny if we made them illegal. 
well, okay, well, and now if they're illegal, what's going to happen? Well, people are probably going to want them so bad that they're going to find a way to still play them. You know, like weed's illegal, but people still smoke weed. Um, <laughs> so playing on that idea, these guys have to now go out, find the criminals. So having an LAPD division, I go, well, wait a minute, now I can play with the idea of them being like Riggs and Murtaugh or, you know, Axel Foley or... Mm. Uh, Miami Vice. So the comedy mm. is uh, in these two guys going around and chasing these people. And uh, I'm just trying to get funding for it. Not too much, but like 30000 to try and shoot a whole feature film. And But it's it's probably the funniest script I've written to date. It's it's going to be a lot of fun if we get to do it. Nice. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, I was just curious. You have a like some super cool like techno style music. Who's responsible for producing that for the film exactly? Yeah, his name is Best Track. He is this amazing DJ in France who I just mm-hmm. I kind of met in a weird way. I I was kind of searching originally at different kinds of music and styles. I knew I wanted to capitalize on the '80s sound for the show. Um, so mm. I can play into that kind of 80s, 8-bit feeling for the show. And that kind of plays into the joke of, you know, people say video games are violent now. I like the idea of mm. playing on that idea in the 8-bit. Like, oh, my gosh, it's so violent, And uh, <laughs> even though it's like pixels. Um, right. Because they've been saying this for years. But anyway, so Best Trek, I ended up emailing him and talking with him over the course of maybe like two months and telling him, well, here's what we want to do and here's what we're doing. And very early on, he knew... He was like, I completely get it. I know what you're trying to do. Sounds hilarious. Like, let's do this. And uh, all of his music on his SoundCloud for Best Track, which you can see on the VidAgent's Kickstarter page, is so good. It's all so good. And hopefully that gives people a vibe of what the show will be like. And, uh, and uh, so you got to take a look at some of that. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I like that music. It's really cool. I'm I'm kind of a techno and kind of fan like that myself, so I thought that was really cool. Now, you said that uh, the show is going to be using like like more retro games, I guess, 8-bit. And if so, what are some of the consoles that you think you're going to incorporate into that? I know you, I noticed you had the original Game Boy. Are you going to go newer as well? Or I think the joke uh, the joke for me is to do it like. And then I'm already trying to think of the second season, but what's funny to me is the idea of first season, you have them going after 8-bit Nintendo. Like, it's this very kind of, like, weird new drug that's just starting to happen in this, like, alternate world. So we have the Game Boy, we have the 8-bit Nintendo, we have the arc- old Galaga arcade machines, which end up oh, wow. becoming, like, our... Uh, are speakeasies, right? So the speakeasies are people play video games and they need a code to get in, right? So it's like up, up, down, down, left, right, all that. Um, And then we're also going to play with the idea of uh, uh, some of the older systems like the Atari. And we've been talking with other people who have like newer systems that play Capit Nintendo. Um, my games, well, we might incorporate that into it. But of course, we're not going to be able to say it's Nintendo. Um, right. But if we get the show funded, we have a couple of guys who are going to be able to make 8-bit style games which feel very much like the ones we'll recognize and know what they are. Um, and the, the joke for me is almost like 
second, if we ever even get to a second season, which feels so far away at this point. But the the idea would be like, oh, now it's 16 bit, now it's 32 bit. It's like, oh my god, things just things just blew out of proportion. Nice. So, I I love the idea of taking the topic and mm-hmm. making it bigger than it's supposed to be. And if we are mm-hmm. doing that, then you almost make the situation smaller to make the joke even more ridiculous. Right. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. So you're going to go with more retro, I guess, like you said. Yeah, I think it plays into that. Uh, in a weird way, something I want to bring back is I think movies and TV shows, not, not too much TV shows now because I think we're getting uh, a lot of the TV shows that are coming out are, are really great. Love Breaking Bad, Digging right. Oranges for New Black. But I think that that style from the 80s is something that's really missing, which is let's just have fun. You know, I love Back to the Future. I love Ghostbusters. I love Three Amigos. I love just those kinds of things that even Captain EO, you know, the uh, Michael Jackson thing, all that stuff, I really want to make movies fun. And uh, I think that this is a fun project that can hit that kind of 80s sound, 80s look, 80s style while still being new. And even the best track music, I think, does that. It's it's 80s, but it also has this like hard hitting uh, right. new techno vibe. So that's really cool, man. It's that's awesome. It's crazy, Owen. It's crazy. We don't know what we're. It's just <laughs> it's gonna be crazy. We really hope we get to shoot it, but if we do, like, should be a really great show. Um, yeah. That sounds There's cool. There's uh, is awesome. Did you, uh, you know, the, I think the thing is, too, that, like, people who who don't know me, like, this is what I would do, is I'd probably be like, I don't know if this guy can pull this show off. So I tried to put that short film on there just to show what we could do for under a grand. But, uh, right. but yeah. That looks and, pretty cool. Um, I like that. So what else? I love the show. I love how you have, like, uh, I was reading up on you. On all of the stuff you were oh, doing, really? how you uh, you build the website and everything—that's crazy. That's awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Well, yeah, I've just been working on that. I'm actually in the early for listeners in the early phases of redeveloping and basically launching an entire new platform with new software and some really interesting social media um, aspects to it and stuff like that. Should be coming out this year sometime, maybe around I don't know, maybe like later after the winter, maybe like maybe January, December, and then then it'll evolve after that. I'm hoping to do some more conventions and do some more uh, things out there and do do some more interviews and things like that on the spot. So that should be pretty cool. I'm just curious. You you. said that – what's that? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you're getting around, man. You're at all those conventions I see on your Twitter page. (laughs) Thanks, man. Well, I was just curious. You said that in your movie you're going to have some people maybe developing some 8-bit games. I guess those are like indie games. Just curious, have you worked on any of those specifically, and what's your opinion on like the indie gaming culture and, and that that topic? Well, that honestly, for me, that's like it's a topic that I that I talk about a lot, but I talk about it in a really weird way, which is. Um, mm-hmm. The film industry right now is creating these, trying to make these really big things, right? Right. They're creating big things that honestly aren't that great. We might oh, see yeah. a, a, a big Tom Cruise movie, or we might see a big Cameron Diaz, or whoever, Ben Affleck movie, but the movie might be big, 
but the idea isn't that great, or the execution wasn't that great. So right. there's no real true indie guys right now that are mm-hmm. keeping them in check. And what I mean by that is, like, in the video game industry, you're creating really big, huge games now, right? Like like on Fallout New Vegas, for example, we had over 100,000 lines. We had hundreds of actors. Huge game. But then you also have indie games coming out that are really great, like Limbo. And by having this smaller game, it almost keeps the bigger guys in check to some degree to say, hey, you know what, we can create a really great game that's big and we can create a really game, really great game that's small. So let's just make right. sure we're creating a really great game. If we do that, we're, people are going to buy it. And uh, bigger companies know that, like Bethesda creates great stuff, ArenaNet that I've worked with, but also like the smaller people I think kind of show it doesn't matter what you're doing. Now the film industry, I'm kind of hoping that maybe if we create this show or other projects that we can say, hey, look, you know, you guys need to create great content. Otherwise, people aren't going to pay attention. Right. So that makes sense. that's that what I love sense. about the indie games. That's pretty cool, man. I, was, I watched a documentary, uh, I forget the name, like Indie Gamers or something like that. And they yeah. had these yeah. guys, indie they game. spent a long, yeah. indie game, that's right. And they, they spent a long time, I remember these, one guy had this game called like Super Meat Boy, which is kind of like a Mario where he goes around trying to find like, because this girl has bandages or something like that, but they ended up selling it on the, I know a lot of these consoles have these app stores where you can kind of like, uh, buy yeah. and download, and they, they make quite a bit of money off that, but it took a long time. It was pretty interesting. I really enjoyed that. And you had E3 that was recently. Uh, are some of the games, what are some of the games, excuse me, uh, what you're looking forward to maybe coming out, and have you worked on any of those that have debuted at E3 this past summer or this summer? Um I will say that there were some really awesome trailers at E3 to games that uh, I'm working on um, that are really great. There's uh, two in particular that are coming out that I'm working on um, with a great company, Blindlight, that I work with that uh, we're working on the voiceover for with these, you know, game companies, and I'm really looking forward to them. The games are great. I can't say what they are. But uh, you'll be very happy when they come out. Um, nice. And then as far as, like, other games I'm looking forward to, I would say the one that caught me off guard the most was, like, No Man's Sky, I think it was. Hmm. I think what, what it, was that basically this, it's this game where you kind of, like, fly around in space and you can land, you can explore, you can go up into space and have a dogfight. Just that open-world concept of... I think people have tried to hit on it, especially bigger franchises like Star Wars tried to create Star Wars Galaxy, and I think there are people who have been trying to to hit that, but the game footage that they showed was very fluid, and it's that interests me. And at least when I look at a good game trailer, a good game trailer will mm-hmm. usually show me um, game footage. Uh, it's all, You always got to be wary about a game that uh, shows... Um, you know, CG to where it's like, you know, it could, it could be just like that. And sometimes it can't, you know, like mm. you're, I, it's always, you know, well, I guess we'll see, but I'm hoping it's going to be good. And what's great about seeing the gameplay footage from that game so early on is that at least I can see that it, it's, it's working, which mm. is nice. That is pretty cool. Yeah. You want to see pe- the pieces of the game before you like, you know, you want to buy it. You know, that's, that's pretty much a yeah. good idea to do that. 
It's very good. A lot of the E3 that. stuff is all that E3 stuff is very like early on stuff, and a lot of it's just kind of showcasing mm-hmm. what's coming. So mm-hmm. you never really know, like what you know where something's going to go, because all that stuff is pretty early on. Uh, right stuff. That makes sense. Well, I have a question. Uh, like your your show is based on the prohibition of games and and the violent stuff. Yeah. There are a lot of first person for. I mean, they've been around for a while, and you got like Doom and. Duke Nukem and all that, but there's a lot of first-person perspective games these days, especially like the shooter-based ones where the individual basically like runs around killing stuff. Now, I don't know if you're familiar, I'm sure you probably are, being a fan of the 80s, but there's a movie called Last Starfighter, and it is suggested, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's suggested that the reason they actually produced the first-person shooter games in real life and push them so hard to sell them is because they literally are recruiting individuals based on the top scores in real life, just like the, the guy in the movie. Do you think there might be any truth to this? And if so, what are your thoughts on the first-person shooters in general? Are you talking about, like, recruiting people for military? Yeah, well, that mostly, yeah. Like, the top scores, like, I mean, like, well, I mean, I've heard some crazy shit. I think like, somebody, like, shows up at your house, knocking on your door, like, in Stargate or something. Uh, yeah, that that I don't know about. I will say, however, mm-hmm. that um, it's, it's a true progression that only seems natural, which is um, Mm -hmm. if you're a pilot, right? Like I have a bunch of, my dad was in the Air Force, so a bunch of people who I know who want to be pilots have the Mm -hmm. skill set to be amazing pilots, but they might be too tall or maybe they're too short. Like sometimes you have to be the right fit for that chair. Um, Mm -hmm. There are so many other things that you have to do, which is you got to stay on that G-force. you got to be able to always be on top of your game. So now if you're able to do that within the confines of a game and having it in this setup, you know, you can do whatever you want. So I think on top of that, if you have a really great game player, those skills mm-hmm. only feel natural. Um, and I think it's, uh, in the end, it's probably a smart idea to do that. But um, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird topic because it's almost like what happens when both sides of the war equation get to that point, you know, mm. what, then it just feels like <laughs> two angry video game players, you know, it's like, ah, you sunk my, sunk my battleship, you know, right. or like, yeah, I guess you won. Fine. We'll move on. I would love it if war was more that way and we didn't have as many casualties. It's just, oh yeah, you took down my, uh, RC plane. I guess you won this one, <laughs> you know? And, uh, yeah, it would be weird. It's weird to think about that. That's where we're going. Yeah, I agree with you. I just made me think of an episode of Star Trek where uh, when they're on a Mini R7, I believe, um, and uh, they have this computer that does simulations for war tactics. And one one side wins, they basically uh, vaporize the uh, enemy, and it's like their form of like I guess like population control, or just without having to fight with real weapons, they just send them all to disintegration chambers. Jeez. <laughs> I heard about I heard about your uh, your encyclopedia knowledge of Star Trek. I've I've been slowly showing my fiance Deep Space Nine and uh, TNG. Oh yeah, nice. Those are good episodes. Yeah, they have some. Uh, what was it? The uh, I was thinking something else. They have. Uh, I know there's a lot of talks about doing a new series. I know there's nothing going on, but there's a show. There is. Uh, there. Um, oh, good. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, there is. I, I, in fact, have met 
one person who is affiliated with the Gene Roddenberry kind of like group of writers, creators, producers, like their development team who said that they're kind of working on something. And then a friend of mine works at the back lot of Paramount who, you know, yeah. has – it's all kind of like in the air out here. Like any Star Trek fan out here is kind of like, I hear there's a show coming. And we right. all get excited. And, uh, you know, I, I think a lot about um, – yeah, there's. It would be a great series to work on. Like, regardless, what I would like to see is, I think there's a way you can do, and, th- and maybe this is a question for you. Is the thing I keep jogging my mind about Star Trek is just as a writer, director, creator guy is, mm. I think I would love to see a Star Trek series that is a fluid storyline, like Breaking Bad, where they're really after this one main villain, who mm. is just kind of taken over and you have a continuing storyline where you don't know where it's going. I think it'd be interesting to have a continuing storyline, like kind of more of a season arc push than right. episodic to see what that would feel like for Star Trek. It would be very different. Um, but it, it's something I would like to see them explore. Right. That'd be kind of interesting. I know, there, I know there's like some of the series have straight off a little bit going into like, I remember Enterprise. It was a very cool show. But it went into like a time temporal cold war, and you had like that one yeah. whole season was tracking down the Zindi, which are like these terrorist guys had this big weapon, they're gonna destroy Earth and all that. that was pretty wild. But uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. interesting. I don't know what I don't know what they're gonna do for a third. Time. I think got JJ working on Star Wars, and that's a whole other topic for another time. But there's, yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a, what? Yeah, curious. What is your opinion on that? On which part, the Star Wars? Yeah, the Star Wars thing. Well, this is what I'll say is, and I'm and I'm talking as a independent filmmaker who at times feels very close to making, at times I feel very far away. Which is um, the the thing that scares me is I, I'm very I look for the small details, and the small details for me are okay. JJ, I wasn't a huge fan of Toy Story three um, for the sake of it felt. I know, I know. I'm I'm one of the harshest critics you'll ever meet. Um, Toy Story 2, you'll see where I'm going with this. Toy Story 2 um, had this old guy who was, mm. thinks we should all be toys. And then you look at Toy Story 3, and it's like, okay, well, there's this older toy who thinks we all should be toys. And, and Buzz Lightyear in number 2 and number 3 both loses his voice or whatever and has to do a new language. There were so many similarities that I loved the part whenever – the way Toy Story 3 ended, but overall, I wasn't a huge fan. So then I find out, okay, he's writing Star Wars. Okay, well, we'll see how that goes. So when J.J. Abrams came in, he said, okay, we're going to let Kasdan write the new script. Okay, great. I'm I'm a fan of that. I know J.J. Abrams is a talented filmmaker. I know he loves the series. All this I'm on board for. And everything sounds great. My biggest fear is they've been rushing this project so fast that I'm very afraid of them having enough time to sit down and say, is this right? Is this moment right? That's what scares me. It's just the rush. And again, maybe Lawrence Kasdan has had enough time to sit around and go, this is what I would do. And I think it's, the most, you know, the most amazing thing on the planet. Probably so. I'm just a little afraid of the push right now. Mm. It's like, okay, Gareth Edwards directed Godzilla. Oh, it made money? Perfect. Let's let him direct the new uh, Star Wars spinoff. 
oh, this guy uh, wrote this? Great. He's doing a Star Wars spinoff. It's like everybody's moving to Disney right now to get on some Star Wars movie that right now it just it feels like it's happening too fast. That's my only concern. Right. I mean, Disney's buying up everything. Marvel, Lucasfilm. Everything. They got Disney. Uh, what is your opinion yeah. on like them? Them like kind of like almost in some ways being like a monopoly. Just curious what you think about that. Well, it's a. I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of Disney. I'm a huge fan of Marvel. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of Star Wars. The, there's a lot of things that Disney's doing very smart. They just bought um, uh, Maker Studios which uh, does a lot of, like, they have a lot of different independent filmmakers or creators, so now they have a way to hit a market that they normally wouldn't be able to hit to get uh, more voices out there and get more people to to look their way. They also have Marvel. They also have Star Wars, and now they can create new shows and all this stuff. Um, I guess, end of the day, what I'm trying to say is Disney is so big. Disney has so much money. Disney Mm -hmm. is such this machine of just being able to like really handle franchises well that it only makes sense for them to handle like gosh uh, who's going to handle Star Wars well well how about someone who who can handle everything well Um, so that makes sense for me as far as the trust to let Disney handle the the franchise and I will say that overall if you have that much money you're it's only logical to branch out so they're branching out and they're getting new people behind um all these different projects that they have going on. And I think it's going to be a good thing. I'm, I'm very interested to see everything they're doing. Specifically, I would say new Marvel stuff, because we've heard remnants. We kind of see what's happening with Star Wars. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with some of their new takes on Marvel. Like right now they have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, and some of those shows I think would be... I'm excited to see what, the, what they're going to do, I guess is what I'm going to say. And I'm supposed to have a meeting, fingers crossed, with... Uh, Someone to see if I can start voice directing animation for Disney, but it's such a long shot. Making the change from voice direction and video games to animation, you think would be easy, but it's actually it's kind of difficult. Oh wow! I hope you hope that happens, man. That sounds really cool, dude. That's just yep, for yep. me. So I, I have a I have a question. I have a little bit of time left. Uh, so you got a lot of technology these days, and you got like these gadgets, like the uh, uh, Oculus Rift and those virtual reality yep. headgear things. Just curious, where do you see like the gaming world going in years and maybe even decades to come on that, that that topic? There's there's so much different things that are coming out right now, both mm-hmm. development technology and uh peripheral like you know, I call them gimmicks. They're the game gimmicks, but the I don't right. mean that in a bad way. Like I love gimmicks. You know, like, okay, you can scratch and sniff and you can smell things in the movie while you're watching mm-hmm. it. I'm like, okay. Um, but what where I see it going is uh, I'm interested in projection to how can I put this a better way to look at it is this is um, there are so many different things that we can do with the technology that we have now to create a really crazy game the thing right. that I that I don't like is the technology is moving faster than the creators meaning right. there was there was this video game WarioWare that came out for Nintendo that you could do all these crazy things with the Wii remote. And they didn't really implement those things to other games. There's so many things you can do. Like, like let's, let's take, for example, and uh, you have um, 
projection. They were talking about projecting things onto the wall for a while. So imagine if you have a, a controller in your hand that's a gun, and the other mm. controller in your hand is a flashlight, and then you see projected on the wall someone, a girl in the window. But if you move and lean forward a little bit, the Kinect will realize that you're moving, and now you can peek around to the left inside of the window and see that she's actually being held at gunpoint. There's different things like that that you can do, and all that technology exists. Like in the, the 3DS, you could, you could move the DS a little bit and see what's kind of hidden around a pillar. And I think everything's there. The question is, what is the game? What is the story that's going to capitalize on what you're doing? So as far as the Oculus Rift, I really want that to happen. I really want the Oculus Rift to just, like, explode. But we'll mm-hmm. see what happens with that. But if you have an Oculus Rift on, I mean, just think of the different things you could do to screw with the player in a horror survival game, you know? Right. Like uh, Resident Evil tries to capitalize on the idea of, well, you can only look forward, right? Mm-hmm. And you actually have to turn around. And what that does is it sets a fear in the player character that, okay, I have to turn around before I want to run in a different direction. So if you have that same thing with the Oculus Rift, you're almost like, this is something Hitchcock did well. If he forces the audience to feel like they are in it, what would you do if you're in this situation? I think all these different technology things will allow us to to scare the player more. But what I want to do or or make the player character more excited, you know, like the Wonder Book for PS3 for Harry Potter. But my question is, how can you take that technology and make it to where you do something really neat or really interesting for the game? That's that's a good answer there. Well, I have a little bit of time left. I want to ask you one quick question. Uh, Yeah, no worries. You can can call and bother me. I might do that. <laughs> Pertaining to social media, you got Oculus Rift. Now, we live like in like a cybertronic world these days with all these you know, social media platforms which are basically one of our main forms of communication. Now, people are so plugged into the cyberscape, like in my opinion, it's almost like they're playing in a virtual simulation or game a lot of the time in general. What, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? And I know they're talking about having like the Oculus Rift devices like that for use for like Facebook and social media aspects, what do you what do you think about that kind of stuff? Well, I guess a weird way to answer it is, I love Minority Report, the movie. <laughs> um, so the idea of most people aren't going to need it. I should say that mm. most people aren't going to need to have two computer monitors up, right? So like. Mm. I might be checking on something on the left while I'm editing whatever short film I'm working on on the right. The two monitors really right. helps me out, or even just a giant iMac. Most people don't need it. So I, it, it will be very weird to see that. I, I guess the trick is, how can you find a use for that for the our normal consumer? You know, mm-hmm. And I think the Google Glass has the right idea, which is, you know, we can help you find out where you're going on the map. We can help you figure out, you know, what the definition of a word is on the fly. But Mm. the idea of making it to where it's this fully immersive thing, I would say we're a very far way away from that, not just because of someone being able to 
find a lot of uses for it to have like all this thing, all these things going on at once. Um, but more so, I think because as technology gets better, we'll need less of it. So like people are trying to make the new Xbox or the new PS4 to be, well, we're your DVD, your Blu-ray, your your TV, your cable, we're everything, your your music, whatever you want. It's all in one <laughs> box. So so in essence, like you know, even the Google driving, you know, it's like you will need less technology to mm-hmm. to worry about as technology gets better. You know, it's like okay, right. well, it just does microwave and oven. So at the end of the day, if it would almost feel like there's got to be a way to take the Oculus Rift and make it easier to do what you want to do rather than have all the Facebook message event. This guy's trying to message you. It's this person's birthday. Uh, this event. Like whenever I go to Facebook, it just feels like everything's yelling at you at once to look at it. Right. And I think it would be difficult to manage that kind of setup in an Oculus Rift um, uh, visual it would need to be much simpler and more self-contained. You know, as technology gets better, I feel like it, they need to find a way to make it easier. So right. you see it with small stuff, you know, but uh, like Twitter is a very easy setup. You know, it's like we still kind of get the same kind of world we would need from Facebook, which is contacting each other, making jokes, what's new in news, or but it's so easy. It's just there's the message. You want to see it? No, no worries. Well, go on to the next one. And, uh, yeah, that that would be more better for me in an Oculus Rift setup than it would be, you know, Facebook. All I see is, like, getting too many pop-up windows, and there's no way to X out the hundred that have popped up. That makes sense. So you're more for the Twitter and the Oculus Rift. That's, that's a pretty cool concept. I like that. Well, right quick, are there any website links or information you'd like to give out for people to find out more about yeah. agents and any other projects you're involved in? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you asking. The um, the main website for us is www.vid-agents, A-G-E-N-T-S.com. That's our main site. It'll link you to the Kickstarter. We're going to have some new funny stuff on there soon. Like uh, we created a video instead of the D.A.R.E. program, the drugs, uh, the drug D.A.R.E. program, we created the G.A.R.E. program, so we'll have a new video up soon. Um, oh. We're just trying to, create, trying to create new videos for that and uh, working on, let me see here, there's a Twilight Zone short film I might try and shoot soon, working on video games, and uh, I've been creating a board game for a while that may or may not go. We'll see. So, what's that about, right? Another, Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's really weird because what I tried to do was create a game that is every single time you play it, it's different. Mm. Uh, there's so many choices in the game that you don't really know what's going to come up, and you also don't know how you're going to play the game, depending on all these different actions. And I tried to create it so that you can play it by yourself or you can create it with a lot of people. I tried to create a lot, you know, a lot of games that I like and put them all into one thing. Um, and then on top of that, since I write comedy, I tried to make the game really funny, which I don't really see too much of. I think Cards Against Humanity is funny, but it's funny because of the people. I like the idea of creating a game where, like, this story that's happening during this game is funny. Um, 
I'm usually brought in for like comedy writing. Like I co-wrote on Mod Nation Racers for the PS3. Um, so I just write. I think uh, long term, I'll probably end up being a comedy guy, which uh, I'm totally fine with if we can, if I can get there. But hoping all the video game players will get behind vid agents and help make that happen because I'm creating it for them and this terrible topic of game violence. <laughs> Well, I hope so, too, man. That would be awesome. Now, Phil, it was great having you on the show, man. I really enjoy our discussion. Well, thanks. Well, you take care, my friend, and I hope to talk to you soon, man. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good, and thanks for your time. Most welcome. Peace, man. Bye.